Aaron Rodgers was asked, you know, essentially like what's been going on this offseason. And he said, that's kind of a loaded question. And then Rowdy, Aaron Rodgers went for 854 word answer. That took five minutes and 42 seconds. And I got to say, out of those 854 words and the five minutes and 42 seconds was probably the most open and honest I have ever heard a professional sports entity ever in the history of people speaking at the podium. Did you did you did you happen to listen to the whole entire almost 6 minutes of Aaron Rodgers and his opening statement? So I had some people message me yesterday afternoon asking me my thoughts about the Aaron Rodgers press conference. Yeah. And I hadn't listened to it. I saw like a minute clip here on on player personnel, a minute clip here about his future, but it was only like a few clips that were all about a minute long. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't seen it, so I'm like, ah, I haven't watched it yet. Then I ended up watching the the Milwaukee Brewers, and obviously that got over a little after nine. But then I settled in a little after nine and watched the uh, thirty, what is it, thirty-two minute presser. Yeah, it was a a longer one. Yeah, I watched the entire presser. All right, so before I play the opening statement here, well, for me, this was the most open and honest I'd ever heard anyone in sports be. Uh, Especially gives you like a peeled back the curtain a little bit and saw what was going on. You know, in the back, some of it I we I already kind of knew. Others, I was just like, "Well, it's nice to hear Rogers say it." And a couple of things Rogers said, I kind of like rose an eyebrow, being like, "Well, that's an interesting thing to say." Um, so I don't know. To me, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. I'm glad he said something. I'm glad that he was open and honest. But also, some of the stuff he said, I raised an eyebrow at. But for the most part, I will say I I kind of like the mantra of Aaron Rodgers saying "f the man," despite having more money than all the men combined. That are the quote unquote man, but I I kind of like the Aaron Rodgers fu mantra to kind of Mark Murphy because I can't stand him, and to a degree to a degree Brian Gutekunst, but I do also the same same coin other side though, I do like what Brian Gutekunst has been doing for the Packers though. What about you? What was your uh, first takeaway after you first heard or listened to the 32-minute press conference? Well, I think we actually finally know exactly where Aaron Rodgers stands. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. we we know exactly how he feels about certain situations. Yep. Which is nice because basically since the morning of the draft, it's all just been a bunch of rumors and a bunch of hearsay and a bunch of sources say this, but nothing actually from Aaron Rodgers. And then he arrives obviously on Tuesday and then has the presser on Wednesday. So now all of this is out in the open. Now all of this now <laughs> lands on the team's shoulders to say, Brian Gutekus, what's your retort? Yeah. I would love to be in the room with Brian and Mark Murphy as they're watching Rogers press conference. They had to just been squirming. But then there was also a part of me that while watching that whole 32 minute press conference towards the end, I think it was probably the last eight minutes of it. So the last what quarter or so. Yeah. You could tell that Aaron Rodgers. Almost felt like dead man walking up there. Yeah. Like he knew his days were numbered. Oh, totally. And and when I say days were numbered, not necessarily in the NFL, because all older players in the NFL, once they start getting there and have been around that long, know their days are numbered. Yeah. I'm talking about days are numbered with the Green Bay Packers. For sure. That most definitely. And he made that very clear. Uh that the Packers really didn't say or talk to him at all, despite being the MVP of the league. Uh well yeah. you could just tell from some of those questions towards the end on his body language. He said he was um, 
always optimistic about trying to figure something out and staying in Green Bay, but you could tell by his body language. He didn't look too optimistic. No, he didn't. All right, I'm going to play looked it. looked like he was going to cry a couple times. Well, did, did you? Well, I'm emotional for him. He's been in the Packers, what, 16 years? Uh, your, your, your initial takeaway, though, Rowdy, when it comes to Rodgers, um, indifferent, like Rodgers more, understand Rodgers more, like Rodgers less, not, not on his side, more you know, GM front office, like... I think this definitely pulls me more to Aaron Rodgers' side, but before I can officially make a, oh, whose side am I on, I want to hear Brian Gutekunst respond to this. Same. Um, You can see the side, or I can anyways, of both entities here. I can see where Aaron Rodgers is coming from. I can see where, obviously, Brian Gutekunst and the Packers organization is coming from. Um, You don't have to pick a side. You can see both of them be like, well, you're right here, but you're wrong here, and and Goody, you're wrong here, but you're also right here. I mean, there's a lot of things going on here. Um, well, I'm like you. I I can I probably right now fall more on Aaron Rodgers' side. Same. But I can see some things that he said that I go, I don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah, like when he said, and he's not wrong in saying this. Uh, what Aaron Rodgers said later on in the press conference that people essentially said that people don't want to play in Green Bay. They want to play to be with him. And I thought to myself, well, man, the Packers have been around a very long time. Um, I'm pretty sure Reggie White told uh, said that God told him to be there. I, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers was whispering in, in Reggie White's ear, you know, Aaron Godgers. I don't like Brett Favre was here. Like, I know you got, they traded for him. Like the Packers have already 13 NFL championships last time I checked. And Rodgers, out of the 13, only has one. So I feel like a lot of players have wanted to play in Green Bay because there's a championship pedigree. Am I wrong in thinking that? Like, obviously you'd want to play for Aaron Rodgers because it gives you the best opportunity to win. But also, the Packers have been around a lot longer than Aaron Rodgers has been here for the Packers, right? Yeah, I think I think it's twofold, though. But I get what he's saying. A lot of players maybe don't necessarily want to come to Green Bay for that cold. I mean... Who was it? Snacks Harrison at the yeah. last year who originally said when he was put on the, the trade market, he goes, I ain't going anywhere that's cold. Yep. I want to go to a winner. Well, obviously, Green Bay, Green Bay fit one of those bills. They obviously didn't fit both of them because <laughs> it's pretty cold in Green Bay. Yes, it is. But then he came around to, man, this Packers team looks pretty good. Aaron Rodgers is back in MVP form. Yeah, I think I'll be able to take the cold and go up there and have a chance at winning. So I do think there are some guys that really don't want to mess with the cold. Which I there, totally. There are some guys that probably to be completely honest don't want to mess with the in- income tax that they have to pay in Wisconsin. Yep. I mean a lot of guys want to go to Florida. Correct. But now I think the the second fold of that is the fact that for the most part when Ted Thompson was there or even other certain seasons like the last year where they didn't have a ton of money to go out and get players. Yeah. That maybe players weren't really looking at green Bay as a spot because one, they didn't go after free agents and a few years in there, they didn't have the money to. Yeah, totally. Well, I remember it was Marshawn Lynch. Remember, didn't he pull Aaron Rodgers aside during a game? Um, was that at Lambeau? I think he told Rogers, yo, tell Ted to come get me. So that was a guy that, I wouldn't have mind seeing him playing for the Packers, Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. He literally said, tell Ted to come get me. And you know how we've kind of broke this down into it's Aaron Rodgers versus the front office and more extensively Brian Gutekunst? Yeah. And I think Mark Murphy. Definitely. Uh, 
some of the in that first what five minutes that you talked about earlier. Yeah, I'm gonna play it when, second here. When he was talking about some of the players, I feel like a lot of those players that were named, that really doesn't that really doesn't have Brian Gutekunst tied to it. No. They were all previous moves before he started working there. Yeah, because he talked about how veterans were disrespected. Yeah. A and lot that of was the, uh Charles Woodson. Yeah, he was gone. Jordy Nelson, that was Goody. That was Goody. James Jones. I mean, he was already gone. Clay Matthews. He was, uh, listen, we he all knew he was on a, his way out. And he was a complete shell of himself. John Kuhn. He was already gone. Randall Cobb, he's back. He's back, and they listened to Aaron Rodgers. And you know, and he, we know that's an Aaron Rodgers move. <laughs> For sure. All right, here's what we're going like, It was like almost like half the guys that he listed were guys that were already gone in the previous, I guess we'll call him regime, the Ted Thompson regime. Yeah. And not necessarily Brian Gutekunst, but I feel like they're all getting lumped in because we've talked about it before. It's death by a thousand cuts for Aaron Rodgers. It's not just one thing like the uh, Jordan Love draft. It's been a, a culmination of everything since like 2014. Oh, I, you, right. I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Rodgers even pointed to the thing that we've been making fun of a lot, Rowdy. He even pointed to when he praised Jake Kummerow and then Goody cut him the next day. Rodgers even... <laughs> Like some of those, like, some come of on, those Jake Kumaro, moves, dude. though that he he talked about, it was like the writing is on the wall. Like, like yeah. we know Jordy Nelson is probably done, and then he went to Oakland and he had like, if you remember, he had like a really good first six games, mm-hmm. and then he really fell off the the cliff. Yes, well, I or, remember. Or it would be like, oh, Clay Matthews had one more decent season. And now he's nowhere to be seen. All right, Rowdy, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play. Strap in. I'm playing the whole thing. Then we'll take we'll take a quick break. Come back and react. This is the Aaron Rodgers first thing he said publicly. It's it's a long one, but it's very eye opening. It's very well spoken, and it's it's a nice peel back to see what's happening behind the scenes. Here is Rodgers, his first comments for ever. Here it is. Here's twelve. A lot of things have transpired. This wasn't, uh, you know, a draft day uh, thing. You know, uh, this was uh, started with a conversation in February um, at the season ended, and I just expressed, you know, my desire to be uh, more involved in conversations directly affecting my job. Um, also, uh, I wanted to help the organization maybe learn from them some of the mistakes in the past, in my opinion, about the way that some of the uh, outgoing veterans were treated um, and just the fact that we didn't retain uh, a number of uh, players that I felt like were core players to our foundation, our locker room, high-character guys. I'm talking about Charles Woodson, Jordy Nelson, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, James Jones, um, John Kuhn, Brett Good, TJ Lang, Brian Balaga, Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, guys who were, you know, exceptional players for us, but great locker room guys, high character guys. Many of them who weren't offered a contract at all, or were extremely lowballed, or were, you know, maybe in my opinion, not uh, given the respect on the way out that guys of their status and stature and high character deserved. Um, and then it kind of progressed from there into a commitment for the 2021 season and beyond. Uh, that really wasn't uh, given at any time. So for me, I had to assess the situation 
not necessarily wanting to be a lame duck quarterback, especially after an MVP season, which I think you can understand. Um, and then the other part uh, in, in February was wanting to be a part of conversations involving free agents, uh, which has never happened in my career. Um, you know, I've, I've trained with a number of NFL guys most of my career in the off seasons. Um, my agency at the first has had a number of high draft picks over the years. Uh, I've tried to pass along information. Um, hasn't really been uh, used, shall we say. Um, so I wanted to offer my services as a recruiter, you know. Uh, and I think we can all understand, you know, Green Bay isn't, uh, uh, you know, a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me, uh, to play with our team, and, and knowing that they can win a championship here. And the fact that I haven't been used in those discussions was one I wanted to change moving forward. And I felt like based on my years, uh, the way I can still play, that that should be a natural part of the conversation. Um, as that progressed from that point, Nothing really changed on that front. Uh, so we got into March, and the conversation changed. Um, as I felt like, uh, if you can't commit to me past 2021, and I'm not a part of recruiting process and for agency, if I'm not a part of the future, then instead of letting me be a lame duck quarterback, if you want to make a change and move forward, then go ahead and do it. Um, that obviously didn't happen. Uh, like I said, it wasn't a draft day thing. There were conversations for uh, a number of months leading up to that. Post the draft, I think what basically happened was then they said, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you some, we'll give you some money now. Let's see if we can throw some money at you. I said from the start it wasn't about the money. Um, obviously, I didn't show up for the off-season program or mini camp. To me, it was bigger than this. It was about. Uh, trying to be a resource for the organization that I care about and love so much. Um, so when the money came at me, the other part is, the backstory to that is, you know, after the season, there was a part of me that did think that there would be conversation about an extension. You know, based on my cap number this season, next season, it seemed natural based on the way I played to at least have a conversation about it. It wasn't a conversation. Uh, not until into May. And that, to me, seemed like uh, an analogy that you guys understand. You guys have a fantastic year at work. You write some great stories. You go to your boss and say, I just had an incredible year. I think I deserve a pay raise or, uh, you know, some security. And the boss says, eh, let's just see how it goes. A couple months down the line, you get another job opportunity. You go back to your boss and say, hey, I got this amazing job opportunity. And you say, whoa, 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 no, 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 we, we love you. We want you to. We do want you to stick around. We, you know, we do, we do care about you. Just not the same uh, feeling, you know. And so, you know, I, I said it wasn't about the money, and, and the way that felt, you know, kind of just doubled down on that. Uh, nothing really changed throughout the summer. Uh, there were some obviously some developments in the last week or so, but you know, I was really working on myself and my own mental state throughout the summer, and. and uh, at, at various points, deciding if I wanted to even keep playing, but uh, you know the fire still burns, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be on a football team, and um, we got some things figured out in the last few days, and I'm here.
There it is, Rowdy. There is the five minutes and 37 seconds of Aaron Rodgers in his opening statement. Very eye-opening. The poll is, is pretty simple after everything that unfolded yesterday with Aaron Rodgers and the press conference that was. And we've had we've had two people, you know, both sides. Yes, RJ. Yes. It's, well, all, uh, with all the Packers drama, whose side do you lean towards more, Aaron Rodgers or management? We've had back-to-back calls of management. Before that, we had you know, people talking about how Aaron Rodgers. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I... I side with Aaron Rodgers right now. I le- I don't I see both sides, but I lean towards Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I lean with Aaron Rodgers too, especially after hearing that. But I'm just not uh, poo pooing Brian Gutekunst. No, I I want to hear Brian Gutekunst's retort. I want to hear him get up and and kind of answer questions that are regarding the questions that Aaron yeah. Rodgers answered. I want them to have Aaron Rodgers transcript and say, "Goody, here is what Rodgers said," and then read it verbatim. And say, like, "Can we get your your retort, please?" I want him to start out. Oh, were you finished? Well, allow, allow me, me to, to retort. retort. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? So, RJ, uh, Nelly and I lean Rodgers. Listen, and sports talk radio, I mean, you're supposed to take one stance and really hammer it home. Here's the thing. I'm not – I can see both sides. I just lean the Rodgers side. How about you? I can see both sides as well. I lean the other way. You lean the management Le- side. Leaning towards management. I mean, no, I'm not talking about Johnny Jolly's lean either. I'm not talking about the purple drink. Not <laughs> no, that lean. Not talking about the purple drink. Which the, way do you just? I, I lean the, the Rogers side. Copious amounts of cash that were in his car. Yeah, not or, the codeine and the sprite. No, no. We're we're talking about which way you lean. In in all honesty, speaking. you can have a friendship with your coach. Your relationship with management should be professional. And that's what I mean. Roger said that as much, especially in a, a industry where it's solely well, professional sports are cut yeah, down. solely dictated by performance. Very, like oh yeah, you can't be friends with a guy who it's like I gotta cut you, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> it goes back to uh, the money ball. Yeah, where he goes, I don't even want to go to the games. Personal right. relationships with these guys, I gotta be able to. Trade them, send them down, sometimes cut them. Which is something you should learn to do, by the way. I gotta, I gotta vet this clip before I play it. I guess you gotta vet the clip. I don't think there's. Yeah, any I story. don't. I don't think there is. I mean, all right, hang on. We'll, 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 we'll go with it. I would never have to cut a player. Here's a dumb button. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on, what? Let's practice. No. Oh. Yeah. I'm. A- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna vet this. <laughs> I'm gonna vet this. I'm gonna vet the clip. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bet the clip there. It's like a PG thirteen movie. Sure, but uh, yeah, they, I know, they, they I know, Rowdy. S or an but in PG thirteen, you're allowed so you're allowed a, a, a yeah a finite amount of swear words, four letter words. Yeah, so a, you know George Carlin, big fan of George Carlin. I think it's one f bomb, or and, and it's like up to, one boob, or up to uh, you can't have two boobs, just one <laughs> nipple. You can't have two nipples, just one nipple. Or you get up to x amount of s's <laughs> <laughs> it ends in hit but you know I, I lean more towards the management side on this because the the examples outside and we were talking off air outside of charles woodson of people being treated poorly on their way out were near the end of their career anyway well yeah. when, if, when we use the analogy from moneyball about how i potentially have to cut and trade you yeah I think that's true for like 99.9% of players, Mm -hmm. but you know that you are never going to cut Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. We don't know that anymore. (laughs) Will will never be a guy that ever gets cut. 
Now, maybe if you got some unbelievable trade, which yeah. I don't think would ever happen because it never happens no. unless they want to get rid of a superstar quarterback, you're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's a terrible thing to have him say, hey, I like this guy over this guy. Oh, if yeah. you were looking at certain free agents, yeah. like I 100% get that. Absolutely. And I, I feel like it's a little bit different just because of where he is professionally compared to like the backup center. But but if he stopped at that and just said, I'd like to give my input at least. I'm not asking to make the decisions. And he yeah, said that. He but then he goes in he and said, goes, I'm an asset. He's I'm an asset that can bring in high talented, high character people. I, and I my asset's not yeah, being used. I absolutely agree with that. Same. But when you then go on and say people who were treated poorly on their way out, who ended up either playing one season, half a season uh, chose not to switch positions in order to help the team. So the team said, well, see ya. And then they brought in the Smith brothers and drafted Rashawn Gary. Yeah. You know, Clay Matthews wasn't helping out his own cause. No. Move inside. Help us out, please. And he was doing pretty good inside when right. uh, Big Mike at the end of his tenure. Exactly. And yet he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to help out the team. Did, 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 you know you see, what? did you see my new commercial, though? My hair looks uh, good in it. Uh. And then, but, but what I'm yeah. getting at with like the Aaron Rodgers thing, he's a guy that will like Tom Brady will never be cut. Those guys right. know. No, yeah. Those guys know when they don't have it anymore, they don't want to play. Like they will retire when they don't have it anymore. And what did Rodgers say? He still got the fire. The fire still yeah. burns. Now Clay Matthews, you kind of. Uh, I think that fire you, wasn't burning yeah, too hot anymore. You, you mentioned how <laughs> he wouldn't take a, a reassignment mm-hmm. defensively. He ended up going and signing with the Rams. Pulled a Ricky Weeks. And well, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> and oh. he played he played he played decent for like one more year, and then you could pretty much tell he was he was washed up. Yeah. Ricky Weeks, when he wasn't taking a reassignment, you could tell that, well, he was kind of washed up, and this was like an olive branch for the Brewers saying, Thanks for being a multiple time all star for us. Yeah. Why don't you tr- go play outfield so we can keep you around for another year or so? Mm-hmm. No, and he goes, you. Absolutely no. And then ends up taking a reassignment, changing positions for multiple other teams. And you could tell was he was washed up. And yeah. again, there was no need for the Brewers to ever even extend that olive branch. So Rogers talks right. about how, you know, <laughs> Clay Matthews was kind of disrespected on his way out. Well, Look at what it is on the field. RJ brought it up just a little bit ago. The Smith brothers and then drafted Rashawn Gary. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a big upgrade right. but over a guy like Clay they Matthews. Gave, they gave Gary his number right away. That was so mean. Rodgers was asked. like You heard it, right, Rowdy? That re- one reporter was like, yeah, Rodgers, if you would have been in charge, uh, some of those moves actually would have been pretty bad and not worked out. Rogers just like uh uh uh. uh I yeah, he did downplay that one pretty quick. I think uh, I have it right here. Which the guy I has a point. Say one of the things was to be involved in free agency. Um, because I mean, just talk to Preston Smith. You know why he came here and why he actually took a pay cut to resign. You know, he knows that we got an opportunity to win a championship when I'm playing. Um, and it, it's a sentiment that's that's echoed by other players across the league who hit me up that I'm friends with and want to come. Or get traded, or you know, come to Green Bay. They want to be a part of an opportunity to win a championship, um, and that's why I just wanted to make myself available, you know, to have those conversations, to be maybe something that tips it over the edge if you're trying to sign a specific guy. Um, so that wasn't uh, a part of that wasn't part of March at all. So yeah, Rogers basically just saying, I want to have a say. You, I'm an asset. I'm the biggest asset you have right now. 
why don't you use me to help recruit players and sign these players? And then it's funny because what did Brian Gutekunst say, um, not yesterday, but like a couple days ago, that, or maybe Mark Murphy said it actually, that Lambeau Field itself was the biggest asset. I was like, yes, yes, let's get. Well, also, you have to think of it from Mark Murphy's perspective. What's the only thing he's actually in charge of? Lambo itself and, and its facilities. Yeah. I mean, technically, he hires and and fires the Gutekunst and the Thompsons of the world, but that's not where he's really hands yeah. on. And it's funny because when he hired Matt Lafleur, he sold this sold everyone a, a false bill of goods, saying that Aaron Rodgers actually had say in if they were what coach they're going to hire. Turns out after yesterday's press conference, Rodgers said that's untrue. That he talked to Lafleur after a decision already had been made. Watch Goody take the podium and basically throw Mark Murphy under the bus. <laughs> Wouldn't that be incredible? If Guru Kuntz comes up here, he's like, yeah, that Mark Murphy, open and honest right here, that Mark Murphy guy's an idiot. Like, it's all his fault. Like, could you imagine if he comes up to the podium and he goes, yeah, I'll be completely honest with you. Like, we want Aaron to be here. Like, it's not that we don't want him to be here. And I wouldn't mind hearing if he preferred, you know, X free agent over Y free agent or I wouldn't care if he came in and gave me his opinion and said, you know, actually, I prefer Amari Rodgers over, you know, insert another receiver that was in that draft. And that would help, you know, make me do better at my job, makes me think a little bit more. But I got Mark on my back. (laughs) Mark Murphy's on my ass, dude. And he goes, him and Rodgers, you know, they don't really have a good relationship. And, you know, I'm kind of fighting a, a two a two sided war here. <laughs> if he just came out and completely trashed Mark Murphy, what would your board say? Oh, the because board now be your like, best player and your, your GM, GM are saying this guy's an issue that that like, just seems to be uh, the thorn in everyone's side. Two of our biggest entities being insubordinate to our Packers president and CEO, and then all of a sudden you just have Matt Lafleur, who's definitely, in my opinion, like the yes guy, who's just like. He's yeah. stuck in the middle. Yeah, I'm with these guys. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, get to the phones here, 608-321-1670. But uh, Gutekunst did talk about, you know, Rodgers having a say. But he said at the end of the day, a GM has final say. What he's done for this organization, I think he deserves at least the conversation every year about where we're headed, uh, where he's headed, and and to get together and, and we'll make decisions. The club will always determine what's best for the Green Bay Packers. But I think he's earned the right to have those discussions. So there you go. Get him in on the table. And listen, Rodgers should have a little say. I mean, Tom Brady does. You got all the quarterbacks around the league. They do. Why can't Rodgers? The one big thing, though, that, that from that Aaron Rodgers presser, if it's true where he said they did not want to commit to him past 2021, I think that's terrible management. Agreed. And hopefully Goody answers that question today. And, and do you you remember this, because remember the 2020 draft, we literally were in this pandemic then for, what, a few months? Yeah. Everything was shut down. There was no sports. So what did we do? We got really into the NFL draft because the NFL draft was the only thing that was around. It was the only show in town. Yep. I dove into that draft so much. I went through all of the the quarterbacks and, well, a lot of positions. But when I was looking at the quarterbacks, and I know you'll have my back on this one, I liked Jordan Love. You did. You he, totally did. He was the guy, in my opinion, in that draft was the second highest ceiling yeah. that I looked at and, and went through. Was Fields your number one? No, I had or, uh, uh, Tua. Oh, yeah, Tua was number one. He, but he was my number two for highest ceiling. Or Fields I, was last year, done. I liked Jordan Love. I, I remember saying if he fell to them like in the second round or something, not use a first round pick, but somehow made it to the second round. Yeah. Because there were a ton of quarterbacks in that draft. I like Jordan Love, even though I was also out there saying 
if I'm the Packers, I'm not drafting a quarterback. Exactly. So that's where you it's were like, liking Jordan Love for like other teams. I, yeah. <laughs> if I was another team that didn't have Aaron Rodgers still playing well, and obviously yeah. he comes off an MVP season the year after you draft him, I wasn't even if I was the Packers, I wasn't ready to draft a quarterback. But I like Jordan Love in that draft, so I I get it kind of. It must be that UW lacrosse thing because that's where Brian Gutekunst is from too. Right? I mean, he still mater. he still has to actually show it on the field. <laughs> I can't emphasize this enough. I loved the talent and the ceiling of Jordan Love. Obviously, I wasn't expecting the Packers to draft him. They're still insane if it's true what Aaron Rodgers said. They don't they don't want to uh, basically have him quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Past How about this? Jordan Love yesterday was on the field getting some reps on 11 on 11. Aaron Rodgers left the field early. And this is according to Mike Clemens. Aaron Rodgers, our Packers insider, Aaron Rodgers left the field early while Jordan Love was getting his reps in. So all the reporters who were watching Love said, oh my God, Rodgers are leaving. We got to get ready. So they left what Jordan Love was doing to go get ready for Aaron Rodgers. Or how about Jordan so Love funny, is just going into his second season? Aaron yeah. Aaron Rodgers, obviously a longtime quarterback, those first round picks, they have four year contracts and a fifth year option. So he could still technically be under contract in four years. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers could theoretically already be retired. It's kind of part of this business. It's, you know, like Ted used to say, this part of the gig. You know, if you want to sit in that chair, you got to be willing to sit in that chair, so to speak. So, you know, since I've kind of taken uh, that chair after Ted stepped on 18, I mean, coaching change, COVID, this. So it's, it kind of seems like that's just part of the job. There's always going to be kind of curveballs and you got to be ready for them and you got to be able to, to manage them and, and do what's best for the, for the team. That's Packers GM Brian Gutekunst right there. But we are reacting to the Aaron Rodgers press conference heard around the world yesterday and uh, the man the myth the legend himself was right there to see it unfold in front of his eyes we say good morning to our packer insider mike clemens mike good morning my friend evo how you doing you know um there is so much respect for ted thompson and the his abilities as a general manager you know mike holmgren even said best italian evaluator in the business he was you know shocked uh, when he lost him uh, when Ted left the, the Seahawks for the Packers job, um, you know, it was a great loss to him. And 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 I know that all through Ted's 15 years or so, he kept on referring to Ron Wolf because Ron Wolf gave him the opportunity and taught him the trade. And so Brian Goodikins does that a lot, but he, and he's still doing it. And Ted, of course, just passed away in January, the week of that NFC Championship game. On Monday, Mark Murphy said. I had a lot of respect for Ted. I learned a lot from Ted, and we're gonna put we're gonna put a tribute to Ted on the facade of Lambeau Field, uh, outside of uh, Lambeau Field in September, which got a standing ovation from the four thousand shareholders. But you know, to me, I mean, Ted was this lonely genius. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and, what was he, he loved the Simpsons? He had a uh, Cadillac Escalade, and I think he liked to go yell at the dark. If I remember, uh, of, of presser, we have to go scream in the dark, but it doesn't make us weird. Wrote <laughs> and he rode a bike to practice. It kind of looked like a, he'd stolen it from Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> you know, it just, didn't. And Ted, a different kind of dude. And so, to me, it's great that you pay tribute to this guy that you know helped train you along the way, and you thought that made some brilliant decisions, amazing mathematical mind decisions all those years. But at this time, guys, it's time for you to forge your own identity and stop bringing up Ted. And Brian Gutekunst was asked about, 
you know, there's a lot of these former players. I've got this in one interview from uh, Clay Matthews when he says, yeah, you know, 10 years, a Super Bowl, and I'm going to the facility in March around free agency time. I'm actually going in to work on, on the weights in Green Bay. I get a phone call from uh, Gutekinds that just says, hey, you know what, we're going to move on. Thanks. Because you know, 10-year career is over in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way you get treated. So Gutekinds was asked yesterday about you know the accusations that the Packers treat their outgoing players really poorly. Uh, and here's what he had to say. You know, there's a perception out there somehow we don't treat our players well. That's couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I think we've always treated our players well here. I think we have a lot of players who have been here and nowhere else. You know what I mean? So there's a, you know, there's some of that. But I think we always put those guys uh, first. Ted was adamant about that and how we approach things, and that has carried on. Hmm. Ted, Ted, this, Ted, that. Right. So then Rogers comes in after practice, and he's standing up there and. I mean, it was just jaw-dropping, Ebo. It was unbelievable. You could hear a pin drop. Well, Mike, what was it like? Because obviously we were, and you were there in attendance. Our guy Mike Clemens right now, our Packers insider. You were there in attendance, Mike. When he walked into the room, was it kind of this, could you like hear a pin drop? Was everyone like, oh, my God, he's actually here? Like, take us through the emotion of the room. Well, you know, he started out just saying hi to everybody. You know, we haven't seen him up close and in person like that in uh, a year because of COVID. Mm Mm-hmm. So he was, first of all, hey, how you doing? He's picking out everybody that's in the room. Some of us were sort of late because we were still watching Jordan Love take some reps in 11-on-11 when he left practice early, and then we kind of got to notice, hey, you know what, Aaron's going to go earlier, so you're hustling across the parking lot. Jordan Love's like, what do I got to do to have people pay attention to me? (laughs) (laughs) So we get in. And then, of course, the first question is, you know, Aaron, so what was all this stuff that happened? And he starts laying out. Day by day, he said, okay, we lose the NFC Championship game. I start to reassess things that happen. I make contact with the team in February, and I say, you know, there's some things I need to get off my chest, and let's talk about, you know, players that where we've moved on from. Well, I think it was too early, like a Charles Woodson or a Jordy or a Clay Matthews or Julius Peppers. And guys like, you know, Jordy, even though in his last year he was he had nine million cut coming when they cut he said Jordy would have taken much less, much less, he emphasized that, to come back for that final year. And you could have had Jordy Nelson in there for one more year to mentor Devontae Adams, you know, a rising Devontae Adams. So he puts all this lays this all out, they kinda of nod and okay, great. He goes, it gets to be March, and there's no change. Mm-hmm. No one's calling him. Um, he, he doesn't feel like anyone's really paying attention to it. Free agency comes and goes. And then it gets to be about the time of the draft, and he says, listen, I, I, you know, David Dunn had told these guys some things. The other thing that he started realizing was this. He goes, okay, you know, the way I'm being treated right now, I just won the MVP. And uh, and." These guys, they can they can let me go after this season, which makes me a lame duck quarterback. Why would I? Why would I want that? So on the draft day, you know, you start finding out that Aaron Rodgers is not happy, and that you know maybe he'd like to be traded to the Forty ers or Denver. Those reports come out, and he swears his side never leaked any of this stuff. Yeah, that he or David Dunn did. So he's putting that all on the organization as well. He said by May, he finally gets the sense that the team is now 
paying attention to him, like, oh, no, 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 we don't want you to go. No, no, everything's great. And they start coming to him with, with money. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, I, I don't, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. <laughs> I'm trying to fix things to help me do my job the right way. So then I asked him this. I've been wanting to ask him this question, Ebo, for four years. Mm-hmm. It's August of 2018, and... Um, Kirk Cousins had just gotten that ridiculous $85 million deal, making him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, Mm -hmm. guaranteed. Then Matthew Stafford gets paid. So the first couple of questions uh, at his locker as we started that 2018 campaign was, so, you know, I mean, geez, shouldn't you be the highest-paid quarterback? Is there a contract coming? And he gave some answers. And then, you know, the, the, the period was over, and the cameras were being turned off, and people were walking away. And a couple of us still stood around and just talked to him about, but do you, I mean, do you want it done before the end of the season, or can you wait, or you know, what do you think? And he said, you know, he says, you know what I want? I just I want a partnership. Hmm. I want a partnership. And and he started to talk about it a little bit more. And then someone, you know, one of the PR guys says he, he's really got to go. He's late for the next interview. And I never got to follow up on that because within a couple of weeks, he did get the contract extension, and that seemed to be kind of a moot point. But I thought about this. I thought, you know, he's been hanging around Tom Brady, and he's been asking at the Kentucky Derby and whatnot. He asked asked Brady about what his situation was like in New England, and he was probably saying, you know, at the end of the day, I can walk into Robert Kraft's office and get things changed. If there's something that really is bugging me, I can get it fixed. And Aaron Rodgers is saying, I can't do that. And so I asked him, you know, this partnership thing. I said, you know, six months later, McCarthy's been fired. Now they've interviewed a bunch of coaches. And then on, on a Monday, you said that they called you while on a golf course. And they said, you know what? It's Matt LaFleur. Can you call him? And then we'll, we'll, we'll close the deal here. Sure. So he talked to Matt LaFleur for a few minutes. LaFleur told the story as if to say, when the quarterback called me, it didn't dawn on me. I might have the job. Yeah. So I asked Aaron, and you know, is that an example of the partnership that you were looking for? Yeah, well, I wouldn't call that partnership that, that part of it. I mean, that, I wasn't involved in those conversations at all. Um, I talked to Matt after the deal had already been in place to hire him as coach. Um, I wasn't part of that conversation. You know, let's just make that completely clear. Um, I do love Matt, and we've had a blast together, and I'm glad he's here. Um, but it, it's decisions like that that have happened over and over and over again that make me realize that the organization looks at me and my job is just to play. In my opinion, based on what I've accomplished in this league, uh, the way I care about my teammates, the way I show up in the locker room, the way I lead, the way I conduct myself in the community, you should tie myself to a little bit more input. The rules, you know, are the same for most people, but every now and then there's some outliers, you know, guys who've been in organization for 17 years and won a few MVPs where they can be in conversations at a different higher level. Um, I'm not asking for anything that other other great quarterbacks across the last few decades have not gotten, you know, the opportunity to just be in conversation. You know, so if you're going you're gonna to cut a guy who, based on a meritocracy, was our second best receiver in training camp last year for the majority of camps. Maybe run it by me, see what I feel. I might be able to change your mind. But at least to be in a conversation makes you feel like you're important, you're respected. That's what I tried to convey in February and for the first couple months. Now, it hasn't been that. That's just the way they do it.
you know, I don't necessarily agree with it, but objectively, there's been a lot of success here over the last 30 years. I just wanted to be a little bit more involved, uh, and I understand that uh, that's not uh, the way it went. Wow. I watched every one of those snaps. He's putting Jake Kumro second best behind Devontae as opposed to <laughs> Lazard or MVS. Uh, I kept on telling Bill in my reports last year that, uh, listen, this Malik Taylor kid, um, he's fast. They got him doing jet sweeps. They got him returning kicks. Uh, I think he's going to find a way into the roster, and this might cost Kumaro, and that's exactly what they did Labor Day. So I'm surprised yeah. he thought Kumaro was having that great of a camp. But as we talked about the other day, he thought, you know, listen, I need an experienced guy. i got three years invested in this guy. Put the kid on, you know, practice squad or something like that. So that's that situation. Now people are going to say, all right, do you have an, a disgruntled Aaron Rodgers coming back? Here's what Matt LaFleur was asked. Yeah, I have no doubts. I mean, I can say that he is the most competitive person I've ever been around. So there's no doubt about it that he's going to go out there and, and play to the highest of his ability. Mike, so there is this thing going on. Mike Clemens joining us right now, our Packers insider. Mike, so the partnership that we were told existed by Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst wasn't there, but it seems like Rodgers has no ill will towards Matt LaFleur, correct? Oh, no. Not, not to, as you said, loves his coaches, loves his teammates and yeah. all that. He said he, he called teammates in the last, a couple of weeks ago. He knew he needed to start making a final decision. I think it was when he talked to some of his retired teammates, uh, maybe like a Jordy or something, that just made him say, you know what, I'll just focus on going back for this year. You know, he didn't have any other options in terms of being traded to another team at this time and all that. Uh, meanwhile, Devontae Adams... Uh, he says he wants to be the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. You know, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a baby, so I'm not, I'm not going to not show up, and I'm not complaining about it. At the end of the day, I've earned the right to, to be paid uh, highest in the league, and if they don't believe that or, um, you know, want to come to an agreement of, you know, kind of make me feel good about my contract, and um, I just don't want to make this thing about me too much. And then they make some roster move, they, you know, including cutting Blake Bortles, and they go out and, take care of one of Rogers' requests now about coming back and bringing back Randall Cobb, who's going to be 31 years old next month. He's played the one year with the Cowboys, last year with the Texans, missed about six games or so. And Devontae was asked, what do you think about Randall Cobb coming back to Green Bay? I'm ecstatic, man. I'm just waiting on Jordy now, and we, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be complete. We'll have a whole 187 back. That's funny. Jordy, did Jordy, I think, I think Randall Cobb on Instagram was after Jordy, and Jordy said, not happening. Uh, I'm just going to be sitting on my couch, apparently. He's like, I'm going to be at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, Rodgers really made a very compelling case to say, you know, this is not just about the roster. This is about a variety of things that helped me as a, as a quarterback, um, as a player. And maybe he's also looking out for other players as well, and and just the way people, as he's put it, you know, are treated. He said, he said, there's a one Darren Perry, the former safeties coach, who ended up losing his job because he's, you know, battling alcoholism. But he said Darren Perry once said to him, "You can't motivate people, but you can inspire people." So he's working every day on what he feels he needs to do, you know, as a leader for the team. Now, where does this leave him with the front office? Mm. You know, both Gutekinds and Aaron Rodgers would ask, 
how would you describe your relationship? And we asked Aaron, did you demand in these talks that Gutekinds be fired? Uh, no, and I would say it's uh, professional at this point. Professional. You know, it's always been a very professional relationship. And I think our, our goals are the same, right? Trying to get this team to win a championship. Professional, Mike. Professional. It's professional, yeah. Uh, good morning, Aaron. That's about it. As far as it goes. <laughs> a little uh, no talk at the water cooler too much, right? Just a good morning, some pleasantries. Mike, uh, two questions before I let you go. And awesome reports. We love what you do uh, up in Green Bay. The coverage is incredible, my friend. And we'll continue to follow along on Twitter. I know you've been on my show, Bill's show. Uh, hopefully Grant had reached out to you as well. But, Mike, let me ask you. The press conference yesterday, have you ever been a part of something quite like that in your time covering the Green Bay no, Packers? I, I, or anything. You know, I was lucky. I was a 21-year-old kid at UWM, and I got hired by TV18 uh, in August of 82. I got to go to all the World Series games. I covered Yount. I covered Molitor. I covered Favre all those years. And Favre, you know, had some great press conferences where he talked about an operation, but I've never heard anybody take you through the front office from door to door and tell you everything that been, had, has been going on the last five years like this guy did yesterday. I mean, there's there's players, former players on the networks, whatever, that are standing up and applauding because you know what? It's this way at most of the other teams, too. Yeah, I've never heard quite anything like that. It was just it was crazy to watch it all unfold. And Mike, today on the podium, is Brian Gutekunst going to have a retort? Yeah, but well, back-to-back. See, usually the general manager up here uh, talks uh, about once a week during training camp and then kind of goes back into you know his hole and until uh, the draft uh, he's going to talk again today <laughs> that popped up at 11 o'clock last night so we'll, I'm sure that's to confirm the Randall Cobb situation which he promised he would do but I think he's going to get a couple other questions Wow, Mike well we'll follow along like I said on Twitter at Mike Clemens NFL we'll check you out on the Bill Michael show later today and uh, everything in between because my god it is very interesting up in Titletown enjoy the day Mike Thank you, uh, let th- Those fingers are going to be crazy tweeting and typing up transcripts, my friend. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, pal. Let's see you. There he is, Mike Clemens. Good stuff right there. I think this is a huge win for the Milwaukee Brewers. As it is official, they have made a trade. Eduardo Escobar coming to the Milwaukee Brewers. What do you think? I absolutely love this trade. This is phenomenal. And it's not a relief pitcher. Wow. When you look at Escobar and what he brings to the table, he's a guy that can pretty much play any position in the infield. Obviously, when when I saw the news, my first initial reaction is, okay, he's basically going to play first base and then potentially fill in at third, second, shortstop, and maybe even a little outfield if needed. So one, I thought he was going to be a first baseman and then any versatility that they needed him to do, he could do. Mm -hmm. I love that. And we were kind of talking about, I know one of the rumors was Josh Donaldson. Yeah. A guy that had... They checked in on Trevor Story. Yeah, a guy that's got a ton of pop. He can play first and third base, obviously also a DH. Mm -hmm. And the one thing with the Donaldson is that he was still under contract for multiple years at a lot of money. I like the Donaldson. I love... Escobar here because he's at the end of his his contract with Arizona. The Brewers only owe him about two and a half million dollars for the rest of the year. So so you don't have any of the people crying about small market and them spending money. Beautiful. And they didn't give anything up for Escobar. Like you gave up a guy that was playing in triple A that was playing partially some outfield 
was also a a catcher and a little bit of infield. So another guy that was versatile and had been playing all right. a little bit of country and a little bit of rock and roll, Rowdy? But the two biggest positions that he played was catcher, and you didn't give away uh, Mauricio Feliciano or Mario Feliciano. You didn't give away Peyton uh, Henry, two of your bigger catcher prospects that I'm thinking the Brewers organization probably hopes at least one of them uh, gets to the big leagues in the next year or two. Yeah. So you didn't have to give away one of those. No. We already know that you're loaded in the outfield, especially when you have Christian Yelich, who's under contract for 11 more years. Mm. <laughs> you have Garrett Mitchell, who's a who, beast. who is your number one overall pick from 2020 beast. and looks like it's going to be your future in the outfield. You still have Jackie Bradley Jr., who's going to be there for at least one more year. And you still have uh, Lorenzo Kane, who's going to be there for at least one more season after this year. Yeah. So you and you and let's not yeah. forget Tyrone Taylor has played extremely well for his role as the fifth outfielder on this team. So it's it's not like it's you're losing move. anything when giving away one of the guys. And then the other guy was an eighteen year old kid oh. from the Dominican. Have fun. See, was that, that the guy the pitcher? No, he he was an out. Uh, I believe it was an outfielder. Who was the guy that we could even find a picture of that the Brewers? Traded? Oh, that was a, the trade for Billy McKinney. Yeah, that's what it was. But but the other kid that they gave away was an 18 year old that has been playing in rookie ball and has only played 12 career games. All right, bye. See you. I, I guess I don't hey, think he'll be the next Babe he, Ruth. He's your lottery ticket, I guess. Yeah, like he's your scratch off that you'll probably end up snake eyes on anyways. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't give up much. You get Escobar. This guy's a beast. He I can play, play all over, and and he brings some pop. He brings pop to their line. Lineup. And it was one thing about uh, how we've been talking about how we expected this team to hit a lot of home runs, which I guess you can say they have, but at the same time, you haven't necessarily got it from your star players. Escobar, not only does he bring pop, but he's a switch hitter. Yeah, He, he can go out there and face righties, face so, lefties. And yeah, we, we yep. know that the first base situation, Rowdy Telez, yeah, he's played really well he's the last right week. Now. He's hot right now. We've seen that Vogelback had gotten hot for a week or so. He's back hot in the past. as in he's sexy, like that big man stuff, you know. And we've seen that uh, facial hair. Keston Hira also have gotten hot, but those are all guys that you don't want to rely on down the stretch because he can't. Escobar, when you look at his career, he's 32 years old. He's playing extremely well this year. I mean, 22 home runs, 65 RBIs. He's a career 255 hitter, career on base over 300. He's gonna bring some pop. He's had at least five years. Five years in his career, we go, man, this guy played some really good baseball. When you look at the other guys that would potentially be playing first base, you have Vogelback, who you're like, oh, he's played four months of really good baseball. Mm -hmm. You look at Rowdy Telez, and you go, oh, this guy's played maybe half a season of good baseball. And then when you look at Keston here, you go, he's played half a season of really good baseball. No one that's had staying power. So, yeah, you're bringing some staying power to first base, and he can play everywhere else. I'm looking at this Brewers roster, and when you look at the top three pitchers, being that Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta are all in the top seven for ERA. Yes. I'm looking at this Brewers bullpen, which is now in the top eight for ERA and top 10 for whip. And I'm looking and seeing that now this Brewers team is now 14th in the league when it comes to runs per game, scoring about four and a half runs per game. And I'm seeing that you're having Lorenzo Cain come back, and if he can give you anything, 
that's better than what he's done. I'm seeing Jackie Bradley Jr. swinging the bat better in the second half, and that's a positive from what he was doing. And if uh, Christian Yelich can come back in two weeks and give you anything more than what he has previously been giving you this season, that's a huge boost. And now you continue to have Adamus and Arias continue to play well. Colton Wong continues to exceed expectations when he's healthy. Same with Omar Nervaez. And if you can get a consistent bat at first base, I think the Milwaukee Brewers are one good late inning reliever away from legitly being World Series contenders, and I'm not joking with that. Hell yeah, Rowdy! Uh, I do have comments here from Eduardo Escobar. Uh, Rowdy, you asked me if we had a a guest on in the 9 o'clock hour. I originally said no. I totally spaced it at 9.20. We're going to get our guy Andrew Wagner on uh, to talk about the Brewers and this trade. I do have comments from Eduardo Escobar. That I want to play. I love what he said after they caught up with him after the trade. You know what's the situation with the team? It's, it's really bad year for 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 both teams for Arizona. Um, especially once you go to free agent, you know it's really hard. You know, stay in the team. For me, you know, I know how to control the team. They they only control how they go come and play hard every day. You know, they control how they from people from office. I respect the decision all the time. But see, the team be close to make a play over. I don't think so. be trading. Uh, one the the best player, you know. I don't see I'm the best player or not, but one the best player traded. I don't think so, you know. But you know, I, I understand the situation. I understand the process. You know, it, it's it's really hard. But um, you know, I, I'm feeling living. Um, I, I leave it because I'm putting my 200% within the field. I respect this conversation. It's kind of hard to hear just because of all the noise in the background, but Eduardo Escobar said about getting ready to work in Milwaukee, quote, I'm going to play 200% every day. That's the one I wanted to get out there. I'm going to play 200% every day. I love this move, Rowdy. As right now, Escobar is batting 246, 22 home runs, 65 RBIs. The latter two stats rank him first on Milwaukee's roster. A versatile defender, uh, as Rowdy was talking about, you know, first base he could be there. You can see him at third base. Can you see him at second base? He could play in the outfield. He had once uh, started at shortstop. This dude is a guy that literally does it all, Rowdy. And the Brewers still have time, and something I think they're going to do, and that's get another uh, guy, an uh, arm in the back of that bullpen, right? Yeah, and if you look at how the this season is shaping up, I think you can look at the fact that the Brewers are up by seven games currently on the Reds who are in second place. We know that that Reds bullpen is 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 terrible. They did acquire I think three different arms, two from the Yankees and one from out west. I can't remember. I think it was was it Colorado. So they're trying to do something to that bullpen, but I feel like that's just that's just uh putting band-aids over over uh, something that really really truly needs to be reworked and fixed because I just don't see the Reds, especially with how the Brewers and that pitching staff is well, climbing out of a seven game hole. And then when you look at the playoffs, you look at how the NL West is probably going to get three teams, right? Oh, most definitely. Well, two of those teams are going to have to play each other in the wild card. One's going to be knocked off right away. And then if you, if it all holds on how it's supposed to play, you have the Brewers and the Mets playing first round. Yep. You'll have the winner of the wild card playing the winner of the West, which most likely will be a West, another West team. So then the winner of that uh, side of the NLDS would already be eliminated. That's two out of your uh, NL West teams already eliminated, and I like the Brewers' chances with the New York Mets. For sure. And then that that gives you a nice little matchup between the Milwaukee Brewers and whoever comes out of that NL West little uh, trifecta there 
in the NLCS, and anything can happen in a seven-game series, especially when you have a team that has three stud starters. Oh, my, like, my, my. find a team. Yes, I know that the Dodgers have some good pitching, but guess what? Trevor Bauer's probably not going to be there. He's that's, definitely not going to be there. That's taking one of their better pitchers guess, away. You know who else has good pitching? The Milwaukee Brewers. Exactly. Last time I checked. I, I just don't see a team that I would say is a clear-cut favorite over the Brewers, especially in a seven-game series God. with those three starters, <laughs> especially if uh, two out of the three teams from the NFC, or the NFC, the NL West are already eliminated by the NLCS. Hell yeah. Uh, let's go to line two. Welcome to the show. Who's this? It's your boy, Full Dog. Full Dog. What's up, brother? What's up, mommy? I got a, I got a lot on my mind today. Yeah, you got. Yeah, I mean, lot. you're you're one of the biggest Aaron Rodgers apologists I've known, but I feel like you're. I don't know where you are with that anymore with the Rodgers stuff. He's back, and you got Brewers, Fuller. Just take it away. So first things first, I want to address this Eduardo Escobar move. Yeah. Um. He was he was my number one target the whole time during during this trade deadline. I mean, Joey Gallo. Yeah, Pete might like Joey Gallo, but uh, we got enough guys that go up and strike out four out of five times. I mean, <laughs> how many more left-handed strikeout hitters do we really need to to get on this team for that amount of money? I mean, they got a, in my opinion, Escobar. They got him for a steal. I mean, they didn't give. I didn't even. I'm not as good at the minor leagues as Rowdy is, but I have a pretty good idea who is and isn't on the minor league teams. I literally have never heard those two names before in my entire life. So, both guys not top 30. Both guys. I've never heard one, of them either. One before. guy is a kid that has played 12 professional games. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that's highway robbery for Eduardo <laughs> Escobar. <laughs> I mean, it is. He's better than Trevor Story this year, at least. He's more versatile than Trevor Story. And Joey Gallo can do nothing but play right field, which last I checked, pretty sure they have a couple guys that can play right field. Uh, so I think we're pretty set there. Um, so Brewers, I thought, give David Stearns a round of applause. I think, you know, it, it spells trouble for guys like Sean Vogelbach, but who cares? I mean, they, you know, sorry, thanks for your help, but move along. Um, and this is this is them pushing their chips to the middle of the table. I mean, I, outside of Joey Gallo, according to Pete from Bonona, they're really – isn't any better name as far as a bat goes in the, you know, in the, uh, as far as versatile position players go, uh, it's exactly what they needed. So, uh, I, I have a really good feeling about, uh, a deep playoff run with the Brewers. If so. they add, if they add another quality late inning arm, so seventh inning or later, I would be willing to wager they make the world series. Well, I mean that's that's what I'm getting at. They they didn't they didn't give anything up for Escobar, so there's no reason to think that they could be done. I mean, there's they have plenty of other trade chips that they could use to go get that other player. I mean, I, I know I know it's been a pipe dream of everybody who's been talking on the show, but realistically, they, if they are willing to give them up, they have the assets to go get Max Scherzer. Realistically, not especially you know considering they didn't give anything up for a rental in Escobar. Yeah, I'm supposed to Burns, he says, ask Fuller about Donaldson. Well, we don't need him now. So. <laughs> hey, Fuller, real quick, uh, before we hit this break here, what do you think about the Rodgers situation? Yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to address here. So, as you guys know, I've been a big Rodgers supporter for pretty much since the beginning of time. Uh, and then this last year, um, you know, he really kind of got under, under my skin a little bit. 
but a lot of that stemmed from not hearing anything from them. You know, it was it was uh, it was mum's the word, and and we really didn't know. Did you say mum is the word? It's Shailene Woodley's the word, actually. <laughs> I said mums, but yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Uh, yeah, so now after yesterday, I mean. How can't you like the guy? He literally – have you ever heard a professional athlete go out and say exactly what was on his mind? No, that's the, that's the most open and honest press conference I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm a big believer in giving the double finger to the man. Like, I hate the man. I always will hate the man. What Rodgers did is said, F you, to the man yesterday. I kind of liked it. Fuller, he flicks me off quite a bit in the office. <laughs> no, the, the hypothetical man. The, the, the guy has done nothing Not the but angriest man. Bring, bring happiness <laughs> to the state of Wisconsin. And, yeah, there's been a little sadness, I suppose, with some tough losses that I wouldn't really attribute to him. But, hey, maybe had the front office listened to him a few different times, they maybe wouldn't have had these heartbreaking, gut-wrenching losses in the you know later stages of the playoffs. I mean, guy wanted uh, Marshawn Lynch real bad. They said, nah, we good. Uh Guy wanted to bring Jordy Nelson back, and I know I I know Jordy had lost his step, but I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Guy would have been pretty decent had he played with the Packers, and I'm not I'm not. You're just saying that because he got two Jordy Nelson jerseys, one home, one away. Well, I don't, but (laughs) I should. Those those would be sweet. I mean, they're pretty Uh, nice. I mean, you know, two years ago, he's he's throwing to guys who he had never thrown before. I mean, it was like he went from having chemistry with five guys on the, on the field to having chemistry with one. Yeah. And all, all I would say is they didn't need to get rid of everybody at the same time. I mean, I think I, and I really think that's kind of what he's getting at too is like, yeah, maybe these yeah, weren't what they, sure. you know, were getting. You they weren't the, worth the money they got other places, but we could have used these guys in the locker room and probably would have taken pay cuts. And there was really no reason you had to lowball these guys as bad as you did. I mean, we could have made things work better here than they would have worked, you know, else, elsewhere. Fuller? And, hey, everybody jump back on the Rogers train. It, it's, it's live and well, and we got a chance for three championships in this state. Enjoy the ride. Fuller, you the man. See you, brother. Later. Here's some Led Zeppelin playing. Communication breakdown. No breakdown between Robbie and I. We're in simpatico. Communication breakdown between Rogers and the GM, Brian Gutekunst. Robbie, good morning. Are you still riding high off of, like, one of the greatest press conferences one way or another of all time from Aaron Rodgers yesterday? Yeah, that that, that was uh, that, that was an all-timer, wasn't it, Evo? Never, was... never heard anything like that ever before, ever. 32 and a half minutes, the, the opening diatribe pushed six minutes when he broke down. You know, off a off a question, just you know what, uh, you know what prompted this or something to that effect. I mean, it was a very vanilla basic question to get him started, and boy, he somebody, somebody loaded him up with quarters, right? They put in tons of double A batteries, and he uh, and he went for six minutes on. You know, just just his just his opening spiel of of the last. Well, that was months. that was, yeah, was that was rehearsed. It was, it was, that was rehearsed and rehashed, right? Like, Aaron Rodgers, I guarantee, was in the mirror practicing that before he went I, on the podium. I'm guessing on some levels you're, you're right, Evo, but it was giving I mean, it was clearly from the heart. Yes. He didn't leave anything out. And, um, you know, like it or not, and, and I, I think he's wrong on a lot of the things, and I'm sure we'll talk about him, 
Um, it, it, he clearly, you know, is is deeply devoted to those thoughts. He, he cares, you know, he, he, he does care deeply to have a part in this, and, and we can argue all day, should he or shouldn't he, in terms of, you know, personnel and, and roster decisions and, and things to that effect, because personally, if you, you look at the guys he outlined there, Evo, the overwhelming majority did not go on and, and exactly light it up in, in the league. You know, guys he felt were wrong in their time, uh, you know, in Green Bay and that he wanted them to stay another year or two longer. I think we're going to quickly find out here that, that this will be a colossal mistake even, you know, to have Randall Cobb sucking up a roster spot when somebody far more deserving, you know, should, should have had that spot. But the, but the quarterback wants, you know, his, his one of his best friends, you know, back on the football team. But, you know, specifically, I mean, it, it, it felt to me, Evo, uh, when it was all said and done, certainly like a guy um, that got almost nothing that he wanted. Um, let, let's start with that from from kind of all the noise that, that began back in late April. Um, you know, if you can kind of go piece by piece, I mean, he was finally questioned on each, each element of those. It, it really sounds like he got absolutely nothing in return. Uh, to come back to the Packers, it sounds like he largely folded his cards uh, because he didn't want to retire and he didn't want to sit out, and and this was really his only option. And it really felt evil, like you know, he's a guy that wants to play football but doesn't really want to do it for Green Bay, and he doesn't certainly doesn't want to do it for this management team. So it's a six month at best arranged marriage. Um, they'll 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 truck forward with it and and they'll turn it over to Love and. March of 2022 when they trade Rogers. Yeah, Rob Reichel joining us right now, Forbes.com, Conley Media as well. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Reichel. Robbie, I'm looking at your your article on Forbes.com, the five things we learned from the Aaron Rodgers saga right that unfolded yesterday. Um, and you're, you're kind of right, the Packers, how do you not commit yourself to a guy who just won MVP and went back-to-back NFC title games? Is it truly uh, that year when you know, Mike McCarthy was fired and they ushered in Matt LaFleur that was sticking in the craw of Ryan Gutekunst? They're like, well, father time remains undefeated. Like, How can you not give this guy assurances moving forward if you're the Green Bay Packers? Well, you know, it's, it's a question Gutekunst has to answer. He's kind of ducked and dodged it. Both he and Murphy have said they, you know, they'd like to stay committed to him. 2021 and beyond, you know, they keep using the, the Buzz Lightyear term, right? But they, <laughs> they, they, they are not clearly. I mean, the quarterback has, has indicated that time and time again that they are not. And, you know, to your question, Evo, they want to try it in a different way with, with a quarterback that's going to make in the three to four million dollar range instead of a quarterback making the better part of 40 million dollars. You know, we can, we can talk all day about Rodgers' big numbers in the regular season and MVPs and things like that, but, but the bottom line still comes back to the fact, Evil, I mean, I, I, I think fans are quick to forget this. They have not won a Super Bowl since 2010. Well, we're looking at 11 years now, and, and that's the measuring stick in Green Bay. Nobody remembers that 15-1 and team from 2011. Nobody remembers that NFC Championship team from 2014, other than the fact they, they, you know, they, they blew the game in the final three minutes at Seattle. Um, they, they've had outstanding football teams, obviously, through the Rodgers era here. They have not gotten over the hump. And, and the quarterback, if he's honest with himself and he looks himself at the beer, he goes to each one of those games, and, and, and he, is, he deserves as much fault, if not more, than, than anybody inside that organization when you, when you go game for game inside those NFC Championship games. I've written about it many times. And, 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 it, it, and People get mad at you for that, Rob. People get mad at you when you write that. Sometimes they don't like the truth. Absolutely. Well, 
you know, Evo, a lot of times, you know, when, when you're fanboys and, you know, you're you're deeply devoted to a player, you, you don't always want to hear the particular truth. Well, I was a kid, I didn't want to hear the truth about Paul Molitor, for example. You know what I mean? It, you know, that, that, that the fact he had off-the-field off, off issues and, and things to that effect. But, you know, the truth is the truth, Evo. And, you know, his quarterback, you know, pass rating against both the Bears and the Seahawks was, was 55. They, they were down in the offense game in 2016, 31-0. He never gave him a chance in that game. They were down in the 49er game in, in 2019, 27 to nothing. Last year, they had three second-half interceptions of, of Tom Brady. He turned them into one touchdown and two three-and-outs. So, you know, it's, you know it's, it's obviously there's a ton of blame to go around Evo, but this general manager found a quarterback he, he really thinks can be the next great one in Green Bay. They, the kid's going to be on a rookie deal for the next you know, four years counting this season. In theory, he's going to sit this season and then have three years left on that rookie deal. It gives a guy like Brian Gutekunst a remarkable amount of flexibility to go out and find a lot of players with that extra $35 million Evo to supplement the roster. And then when you trade Rodgers, you would have to think he'll, he'll get at least three to four high draft picks, maybe a player or two somewhere in there as well. So, it, again, we've talked about this time and time again. If Love can play, they're going to be just fine. And clearly, Gutekunst thinks he can, and he wants to take that path sooner than later. So, Robbie, let me ask you on this, man. So, in in the – obviously, Randall Cobb is now a Green Bay Packer. I think that's got – we all know Aaron Rodgers did that. Like, that's Aaron Rodgers. I know Brian Gutekunst was talking about, um, you know, a couple days ago, and he's going to take the podium again today. I can't wait for that. But talking about how he's going to give Rodgers some say, but at the end of the day, the GM has final say. But Rodgers alluded to, like, Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur all kind of gave us this false bill of goods that Rodgers kind of signed off on the Matt LaFleur hire. But then Rodgers on the podium yesterday saying that that wasn't the case. Uh, Matt LaFleur was already hired, is what I called him. So are we seeing them now not give Rodgers a say? And with the Randall Cobb coming in now in that move, does Rodgers finally get more say of what the Packers and how they're run now? My, my guess, Evo, kind of deciphering through everything that everybody said yesterday. And again, there, there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of sidestepping of questions. Some of these, some of these guys were vague on their particular answers. You know, but, but Rogers was probably the most honest guy time and time again at the podium, and his feelings were clearly hurt. Um, you know, he said he said he wasn't a victim, but you know, he, he, he certainly tried to play the part from from time to time. Evo, my, my best guess is they gave him Randall Cobb, and that was about it. You know, will will he, you know, be allowed to have a seat at the table, maybe at the trading deadline, and maybe something, one or two things get bounced off him. I guess that's a possibility, Evo, but Rogers even said himself, you know, he, he doesn't expect some of these things, you know, moving forward. Um, you know, when, when you look at it, he wanted, you know, over the, you know, over the past off season, he, he wanted to say in terms of some of the guys they were, were going to bring back or potentially let go. He wanted to stay in free agency. Um, that's when this whole thing started. They, they, they told him no on that. Um, you know, Evo, I, you know, the, the retirement stuff came into play a little bit. I, I think Green Bay panicked a little bit with, with, with the move they made in terms of throwing him maybe some additional money. But like he said, it, it wasn't about the money. It all, it all came down to more input. Um, and and I, I think they're going to humor him. They may flatter him a little bit from, from time to time, Evo. But, it, but at the end of the day, they're not going to give him a whole lot of say uh, in, in much of this. I mean, again, if you go back and... And kind of look through that list of guys that 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 he 
he talked about that that he was hoping would would get you know at least in his view of you know a greater chance to stick around in, in Green Bay. Other than Charles Woodson, the overwhelming majority of players on on that list, and Mike Hyde too. Mike Hyde had a terrific career once he once he went to Buffalo. But the majority of those guys, Evo, you can certainly look and say the Packers cut the cord with them at the perfect time. I mean, take Randall Cobb for example, inside a bubble. They, they, they cut the, the court with him at the perfect time in, in 2018. Um, he hasn't played a full season since 2015. He, he's just he's not worth the money that, that he needs to be paid anymore to be on a roster. He's going to be the Packers' number five or six receiver. And, and most of the time, Evo on game days, those guys are inactive. So I'm fascinated to see how that plays out if Randall Cobb is inactive for eight or ten games or something to that effect this year and, and what that does to the quarterback. But, Evo, I, I think when it's, when it's all said and done, the, the, the greatest takeaway from, from yesterday from, from all sides is they all fully understand this is, this is a one-year deal. They'll be traded when the, when, the, when the season is over. They'll have a little bit of say. Um, but even he, he said later on, you know, no, that's not what I've been told or, or understood when he was asked if he gets to pick his next team. So he, he won't be able to do that. Will he, will he say, yeah, I'll, I'd rather go to the Broncos versus the Raiders? Sure. If it's not a conference, maybe Evo, he might have a little bit more say. But if he, but if he says to them, I want to go to Minnesota or Chicago, he'll obviously get laughed out of the room. So, no, it's, it's, it's going to be, I think, a, a very uncomfortable, a, a very, you know, tricky six seven months coming up here. As long as these guys these guys play, it's going to be it's going to be an us against the world kind of mentality. I think for Rogers and Adams and and maybe some others inside that locker room. Uh, Evil, I think you're going to have a very divided house. And more often than not, when that happens, the results aren't great. Rob, going back, going back to some of your uh, comments before that last question. You mentioned how Goody might be looking to trade Aaron Rodgers for picks, and obviously if Jordan Love can play, they'll surround him with those picks, and he'll have a ton of money to go out and get players, and they still have the majority of the roster in place. So going back to when Gutekunst was hired, a lot of Packer fans wanted the GM to make signings, wanted the GM to take some risks and, and kind of roll the dice sometimes with players. Is this Brian Gutekunst doing the ultimate rolling of the dice and taking chances? Because if he's right and Jordan Love can play and he's got all this salary from Aaron Rodgers and especially with the uh, salary cap, which we all expect will continue to expand, plus stacking up a ton of picks, will this be the ultimate roll of the dice where if he can play, they'll have those picks, they'll have the money, and they might have a really, really good team. It's almost like playing it safe is taking Aaron Rodgers, where he can sit there for three to four years as the GM and say, yep, we were contenders, but we never did it. Or is he going to roll the dice and say, we're really going for it? Yep, I think it's very similar in, in this respect to the Favre drama and scenario of 08. They, they had been down that road with Brett Favre many, many times. They, they had won one Super Bowl in 1996, went to another one in 1997. But other than that, they, they had only been close, and they, and they couldn't get over the hump, Nelly. And, and the parallels, I think, I think are very similar. You remember Brett Favre's final game in Lambeau Field was an overtime loss in the oh, NFC Championship game in 07 to the Giants. And it ended his Packer career on an interception. You know, we, a lot of us thought maybe this particular offseason, Aaron's final, final season in Green Bay would have been a home loss in the NFC Championship game as well. What, you know, when they fell in the spring, or I'm sorry, in January to uh, to Tampa Bay. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think you're 
spot on with that, Nelly. That they're tired of of being bridesmaids. They're tired of being contenders and, and and can't get over the hump. And I'm sure there's a feeling inside that organization again when they go and they're honest with themselves and they break down the film. They're saying our quarterback is making twenty, thirty, thirty-five million dollars, maybe more than the guy he's lining up to, uh, lining up against. He's got to be better than that player. Well, in the overwhelming majority of these NFC Championship games, he hasn't been been better. And um, you know, you, you could certainly make a case that is why they haven't gotten over the hump in in some of these games. Um, it's again, you know, we're, we're talking back to twenty ten since, since they won a Super Bowl, and he was obviously unbelievable in that game against against the Steelers. But but he's had some flameouts in the playoffs since, and I'm and I'm sure that that sticks in the craw of upper management and certainly Brian Gutekunst now, Nelly, who gets to make these these calls and choices, and you know, all these fans. Nelly, that that yell and scream every every off season when the Packers don't do anything in March other than maybe resign two or three of their own guys, you know, with the, they're going to have an opportunity here over the next couple of years to to say, all right, you know, the Packers are actually doing something. They signed two offensive linemen and a and a safety and a middle linebacker and a defensive end or whatever it turns out to be because they're going to they're going to have thirty million dollars, thirty five million dollars, whatever it turns out to be when they hit the free agent market every every March coming up. So. Yeah, it, 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 I, I do think he, with, without question, Goody would have never traded up in that draft um, to, to try to get himself Jordan Love if he didn't want to get him on the field sooner than later. The plan was always to get him on the field in 2022. Love, in essence, lost his rookie year, or certainly it was truncated due to COVID. And, um, you know, they, I think they fully understand and realize if, if, if you put him out there this year, things might not go particularly well. It, it, it could be a blow to his confidence, which is why they worked so hard to get Rodgers back. But but I think they are full goal moving forward to turn this over to love in 2022. Yeah, Rob, I think it's the ultimate roll of the dice. Either it's gonna it's gonna work out for Green Bay, or it's gonna blow up in Goody's face. All right, hey, Rob, hey, it worked out. It, guys, it worked out terrific for Ted Thompson, didn't it? I mean, he he in essence saved his career. I, I remember halfway through '09, guys. Remember they were six and ten. You know, Aaron's first year, and, and they started the next year four and four, and they had a Sunday night game against Dallas. And I remember walking in to that game, and, and there was there were guys all around the parking lot passing out buttons and flyers, saying, <laughs> "You know, fire fire McCarthy, fire Thompson." I Never. mean, at that point in time, guys, they, they were ten and fourteen in the Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy era, and they turned it around and they won seven of their last eight in in '09, and then obviously a year later they. They won the Super Bowl, but you know, for, for a stretch there, it looked pretty bleak for Ted and, and Mike and, and even Aaron himself. And um, you know, so it, again, it could it could take time, guys, a year from now with Jordan Love. But but after yesterday, and I think the way this is all unfolded, I, I'm more confident than ever this is Jordan Love's team a year from now. Uh, Rob, are you back in uh, Title Town today? You're going to watch that? Uh, be involved in that Brian Gutekunst press conference? That's supposed to be about Randall Cobb, but I guarantee it'll be a retort for Aaron Rodgers. Well, it's good. It started about five minutes ago, so I will jump on that as soon as I hit you. All right, Rob, get out of here. Go, go, Robbie. (laughs) We love you, brother. We'll check out Forbes.com, Twitter at Rob Reichel. Go, 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 Rob. We love you. All right, boys. See you, buddy. There he is. A lot of passion on this man right here, Andrew Wagner. Andrew, what's up, brother? Oh, yeah. I'm full of passion, baby. I'm bringing with passion. I'm oozing with passion. I'm oozing with excitement watching this soap opera developing 90 miles to the north. Like, I can't get enough of it. Like, do you think I can't that's why everyone's upset? Do you think that's why everyone's upset? It's because it's like mom and dad are fighting right now, and the kids don't know how to react to it, so they're lashing out at other people? 
Well, you know, when you're when you're, it's very stressful owning a professional sports franchise. So <laughs> it really is. It really. Is. I would like to be in that stressful situation though, just to see what it does. You know, I just just yeah. just a taste of it. Just a taste. Andrew. I I just I every time I I hear about that quarterback and that team, I just close my eyes and. I picture Joe Burrow smoking a cigar after the national championship game because, for once in my life, I root for a team that has potentially a better quarterback situation than the Green Bay Packers. Well, I don't know. You better well, root for an offensive line because Joe Burrow and that knee, we don't need another setback for him. Yeah. Let's not think about that, man. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm, I'm trying to start on an optimistic note here, and then you're going to put that thought in my all head. Right, all right, all right, all right. My bad, my bad. Optim- optimist, hope springs eternal. The Brewers are ready for another sweep today against the Pittsburgh Pirates. But before I ask you about that, Andrew, let's do this. Eduardo Escobar. What do we think about this cat coming into the, the uh, Milwaukee Brewers? He, he's an interesting pickup because, you know, he can do a lot. Like, like you look at him and say, okay, here's, you know, here's a guy as a corner infielder. Okay, he's going to play third base. He's got some pop. But, like, the, the, the Brewers like him because, obviously, he is a third base and he's got some pop. And he is one of those versatile, positionally versatile defenders that they love to build up. He's a great guy in the clubhouse. He's a switch hitter who has power against lefties and hits for average against righties. Like, this dude brings a lot to the table, and, and they're really excited to add him in. Um, and, and it's a good pickup because you've got to think long-term here. They've got one chance to upgrade this team this year. There's no August deadline, which is when David Stearns loves to make moves. So I, he he's going to you know fit in a bunch of different places do a lot of different things. You know who he really reminds me of for like a an or a trade deadline acquisition for the Brewers, a much better with way more pop Jerry Harrison, a guy yeah. that can just yeah. give them ex- like just the energy they need. He can play all over and he brings pop. So a better yeah, that's better exactly Jerry it. Harrison. Wow. Yep, look at you two. That's a great way of putting it. Look at you two. Look at you two guys. Yeah, we're bonding we're over bonding, Eduardo brother. Escobar. I love yep. it. We bond over Seinfeld. And, you know, Big Boy Burgers, and you guys have Eduardo Escobar. Absolutely incredible. I, I, I don't get Big Boy Burgers. Like, I don't understand why people are all giddy about that. But I don't get, I don't get why day. people like Chick-fil-A. Like, uh, to me, it's bland and, and, like, not that good. Yeah, do I'll you, go with you. I mean, do you, do you get that at all? Like, I, don't, I, don't I, I, I think I eat Chick-fil-A maybe once, twice a year. Once in spring training. Um, and then once when I'm like, I'm so bored and there's nothing else to do and I've eaten everything else. Well, it's like boring food. It's like not even, it's like, yeah. anyway, I don't, I don't <laughs> whatever. All right. So Andrew, what's not boring, the Milwaukee Brewers, how about that victory last night? Is Low Kane coming back hot, baby? What, him and Luis like Yeah. Talking Low Kane. Looks like it. I mean, that, that catch he made yesterday, man, he went full body out there. Yesterday was the day before. He went full body out there and, you know, came back, no harm. Uh, got drilled. Yeah, he got, made the catch two days ago, got drilled yesterday. He's still right in there. So, you know, good on him. They kept him They kept him at AAA longer than he would have thought. And they, they normally would keep a guy because they want him playing every day for nine innings. They wanted him to have a full foundation under him. So they didn't have to ease him back in. He'd be back and ready to go. And, you know, so far it's showing. He 
he has the potential to end up being a kind of deadline acquisition for him. I love it. Hey, how about this, though? Let's speak of the, the guys that throw the ball uh, on the mound. Adrian Hauser. Hauser is now 4-0 and in his last 11 starts, and the Brewers have won each of his last eight outings. Adrian Hauser, and when it looks at this you know, pitching rotation for the Milwaukee Brewers, are we making ourselves, you know, knock on wood is what they're, what, uh, what are they, seven games, eight, seven games above the Reds in the NL Central? Could this be a team to bring you – Pretty far in the playoffs with Adrian Hauser now, like flexing his muscles. I mean that that's that's how you win in the playoffs, and that's I mean you see it time and time again. You win when you've got studs in your rotation, and with Adrian Hauser in there as a fourth guy, I mean you gotta like your chances. It, it, look at this one: the, the Brewers are probably again, knock on wood, as you said, going to avoid the the, the play in game, the the wild card game. So that's good. So assuming things line up. You're going out there with, you know, Corbin and Woody Peralta in your first three games. You come back in game four, and you're going to have Hauser. Uh, it's, that's a really good setup. Like, there are going to be teams that, you know, they might have one or two studs at the top of their rotation, but three with Adrian Hauser. And even if Adrian Hauser isn't, like, on his A game, every year it seems like there's one pitcher on the team that gets all the run support, and, and he's getting that run support. So, I mean, it's, it bodes well. There's, like you said, there's a long way to go, but there's a reason they stuck with this guy and, and the reason that they were so high on him all along and, and were patient with him, and you're starting to see it. You know, when he's on, he's on. And he's not going to overpower you like Woodruff. Uh, he's not going to come at you from 20 different directions like Burns. He's not going to just sit there and strike you out like, like – like um, like Peralta, he is, uh, you'll laugh, he's a young version of Brett Anderson where he knows what works for him. Um, Brett has more experience and he can just sit here and say, I rely on this stuff, but he's learning how to pitch like that. Um, he goes out there, if he gives you five, maybe six innings of one-run ball, two-run ball, like you're in good shape. You're in really good shape. Totally. Uh, Andrew Wagner joining us right now. Andrew, have you heard uh, anything on an update of Christian Yelich? You know, it tested positive for the Rona, right? Uh, is he just quarantining then? I mean, mild symptoms. Have you heard anything just besides him just chilling in, in the, the COVID injured list? Yeah, he's hanging out in my base and playing Sega Genesis. Oh, so what, which game? Still. I have a Sega Genesis, actually, that still functions. It's at my house. I don't know. Which, what games were we didn't have Sega back in the day. We had Nintendo. Um, the Sonic the Hedgehog uh, Genesis oh, game. Oh, one of my favorites, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Vector Man, that was a good one. Uh, Aladdin was really tough. You know, right. Lion King. We can we can go on and on. Big yeah, sound, I, I, sound we're not, I don't think we're going to hear anything Battle out of Toads. until this is done. Battletoads. Uh, <laughs> Battletoads. You remember that? Jace Peterson is on the close contact list, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you heard so. anything like this was contact tracing, right? Like, the uh, Yelich is on a team. Why is it? I mean, I don't know if you've heard anything or not. Just Jace Peterson is a contact tracer? Like, isn't everyone else on the same team as Christian Yelich? Well, they wear those those devices, those those tracking devices, uh, yeah. you know, contact devices. And I, I think what helped them there was that they had that off day on Monday. Because uh, I don't know how far back the contact thing goes, but the fact that they had the off day on, on Monday, you know, that probably helped them. Um, you know, not a lot of contact. Guys were just chilling. Guys were relaxing. Yeah, that's good, I guess. You know, it could have been. It could have been a lot worse uh, if he would have been on the plane and all this would have gone down. So, 
you know, knock on wood, they, they seem to caught a break there because we saw it happen with the, the Nationals game yesterday. Saw it happen with the Yankees earlier this season. Like We are knocking know, just, on a lot of wood this segment, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they kind of uh, got away with one there and, and got lucky. So, I mean, this thing That's is still though. going. Yeah. It's still real. It, it's still weird. But, you know, hey. you go back to all the way to last year, the Brewers have really been lucky because – you know, everything that was going on last year, they made it through the entire season. And now to get this far, this is the first time that they grew. Him and Burns and, and, and Peterson are the first three guys to like miss time for the Brewers because of COVID. Yeah, hey, Andrew, before I let you go, my man, <laughs> i got to bring it up again. Trade deadline's tomorrow at 3 o'clock, right? Yeah. When's that back-end reliever coming? I would assume sometime before <laughs> 3 o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> And is it, do you think it's going to happen? I do. I personally do. Oh, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I mean, that is, you know, it's very rare that David Stearns comes out and says, this is what I'm going to do. But he said flat out, you know, we're looking for bullpen depth. So that kind of gives it to you right there. Yeah. It, it's coming. Uh, table tennis I'm watching right now for the Olympics. What have you been diving in? Uh, water polo? Well, I've been all over the water polo. Yep, all over the water polo. Watch a little bit of surfing. Isn't doing it for me. But I'm fired up. Olympic baseball starting tonight. Hell yeah, dude. Well, enjoy it, my friend. We appreciate your time. Sorry I uh, didn't get to you at 9 o'clock, but we saved it for 920, which was even better than it would have been at 9 o'clock. Blame Aaron Rodgers and his press conference for me, unfortunately, for getting about you at 9 o'clock. I apologize. I blame Aaron Rodgers for a lot of the woes in my life, so we're all good. <laughs> Andrew, we'll continue to follow along by Andrew Wagner. Taking your workout at Forbes.com. You name it, brother. Thanks so much. See ya. See you, buddy. There he is.